podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL roundtable feed. So just search EPL roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now on with the show. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Tuesday, the 21st of March. Hope you're all having a pleasant day. And thankfully, I'm not here to ruin it for you. Uh, I am here, though, to announce that Crystal Palace should be liquidated. Uh, Crystal Palace have announced that Roy Hodgson has returned as their manager until the end of the season, uh, replacing Patrick Vieira. So they have sacked a manager who finished 12th last season in order to replace him with the manager who, you know, routinely finishes 13th. Absolutely bizarre. An absolutely bizarre decision. Hodgson last season 
came out of retirement to take over at Watford and was genuinely dreadful, genuinely dreadful with Watford. And Palace have seen fit to knock the mock balls out of him and bring him back. He's 75 years of age. He should not be managing in the Premier League anymore. I just think this is a shocker, an absolute shocker from Crystal Palace. This is a club that had made big strides in the last 18 months to modernise, to become better run, to become more attractive. And now they're just undoing all that good work by bringing this fossil back into the mix. I think that's a shocker, genuinely. I understand it's an awkward time, but you didn't need to sack Vieira. I understand why you did, but you didn't need to do it at this point. Hodgson is just, I mean, he was at Palace for four years. He won 33% of his games. He won two of 18 at Watford last season. Two of 18. At West Brom, 37%. At Liverpool, he only won 42% of his games. At Fulham, 39 Like, you know, back when he was with Blackburn and he was dreadful, 35%. This is just not a guy who's a top, top manager. He's always been held up to a far higher level than he was ever capable of. If you look at his list of honours as a manager... He won a couple of Swedish titles with Halmstead. Uh, Then he won the fourth division with Orebro. Won a couple of Swedish leagues with Malmo. Won a Swiss Cup with Neuchatel in Switzerland. 1990, that took place. Um, He won the Danish Superliga with Copenhagen and the Danish Super Cup. And that's it. That's it. The only thing he's won in the last 30 years is that Danish League and League Cup, or League and Super Cup. His list of honours is so paltry that they include UEFA Cup runner-up with Inter Milan and Europa League runner-up with Fulham. Shocker. Absolute shocker. Plays some of the most turgid football you could ever imagine. It's just such a reductive move. It really, really is. Myself and Guy went over this before, but it's it's worth doing again. The run of Crystal Palace managers is just an absolute stinker. Let's have a look. From Kit Simons to Ian Dowie, to Peter Taylor, Neil Warnock, Paul Hart, George Burley. Dougie Friedman, to be fair, played some decent football. Ian Holloway, Keith Millen, and then it gets really rough. Tony Pulis, Neil Warnock, Alan Pardew, Sam Allardyce, five games of Frank De Boer, Hodgson, Vieira, and now Hodgson again. Pulis, Warnock, Pardew, 
Allardyce and two runs of Hodgson. That's their last 10 years. That is atrocious. How could you pay money to watch that garbage that has been served up? You can include Holloway, actually. Holloway is part of that last 10 years. So Holloway, Pulis, Warnock, Pardew, Allardyce, two runs of Hodgson, a season and a half of Vieira is the only break you've had from that muck that they have been serving up. And muck is the only word I can think of. That's appalling. And they wonder why they don't win anything. They wonder why they're always in the bottom half. That is atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. Uh, It looks like Tottenham might be the next manager, the next club to move on from their manager. Matt Lowe's reporting in the Telegraph that Antonio Conte is set to be dismissed this week. Um, We'll see. It wouldn't necessarily put all your faith in Matt Lowe's. Uh, but this is not a, an Antonio Conte thing. This is a Tottenham thing. Like This is a Tottenham issue. Mourinho has won two European Cups, three Premier Leagues, two Serie A's, a La Liga, a uh, couple of Portuguese titles, two Europa Leagues, a, a European, a Europa Conference League. He's won everything. Went to Spurs, won nothing. Conte's won five league titles and an FA Cup. Goes to Spurs, can't win a thing. This is a Spurs thing. This isn't a Conte thing. It wasn't a Mourinho thing. The culture at Spurs is all wrong. And Conte spoke out about it, and that's probably what's going to signal his demise. There's no pressure put on those players. And when there is, they buckle underneath it which is why nobody puts pressure on them anymore. Like, Spurs under Pochettino had the best team in the country for probably two seasons and didn't win anything. Didn't even win a cup. Their biggest success was getting to a European Cup final. A game in which Liverpool played poorly and still beat them 2-0. That's the biggest moment Spurs have had in probably 40 years. I know they won a couple of FA Cups and they won a League Cup and whatever else, but they haven't won they haven't won the league since God knows when. Is it 81? Is it no, it's 71, isn't it? Tottenham Hotspur. When did Spurs last win the league? 61. They haven't won the league in 62 years. They've won two league titles ever. 51 and 61. 61 is the year they won the double. They won the FA Cup in 81, 82, and 91, having obviously won it five times prior to that. Uh, They won the League Cup in 99 and 08. They won the Cup Winners' Cup 
in 63. They won the UEFA Cup in 72 and 84. So since 1984, which is 39 years ago, March, it'll be May of, of 84. We're approaching 39 years. They've won one FA Cup and two League Cups in 39 years. That is appalling. And I know they've got the best stadium probably in Europe. They've got quality players there without question. But it's unacceptable that they've had so little success. And when you look at the record since uh, ENIC or ENIC or whatever you, you call them, um, both them in 2001, it's one League Cup. One League Cup with Tottenham. And, you know, you hear players like Roy Keane and Gary Neville and Frank Lampard talk about how they used to laugh at Spurs. Three points lane. Everybody just expected to go and beat them. United, when they were losing to Spurs, would say, look, it's it's Spurs. They'll bottle it. And they would bottle it. Like, this is what Spurs do. This is the culture at the club. And unfortunately for Conte, he hasn't been able to change it and he's been dragged down by it. They're not helped by the fact that they have Paratici in a position of power. He's awful at what he does. Absolutely shocking. The main reason for Juventus's utter mess. Signed a bunch of bad players, made a bunch of bad decisions. He was a really good scout. A really good scout. He's a horrible director of football. Levy, I thought at one point, was an excellent chairman. I thought he was a great decision maker. But I I think in the last four or five years, he's become distant from the club, doesn't seem as invested in, in what's going on. I think the stadium was a big piece for him. And once that was done, he, he sort of just thought, well, my work here is, is done. I don't need to do anything else. They've been linked to Oliver Glasner, who's currently managing Eintracht Frankfurt, who's a very good manager, uh, has done a great job there, did a very good job prior to that at Wolfsburg, did pretty well at Lask in Austria before that. I think he's a manager that could make sense for them. But I don't think they're going to have success while Paratici is there, while this ownership is acting the way they do. And while there's this attitude through the squad that they don't necessarily need to win, that taking part is enough, there's loads of talent there. Like if you're walking into that job, and you want to play, you know, a back three with wing backs. You've got Pedro Porro, excellent on the right. Uh, Destiny Odoji, who will arrive in the summer from Udinese to slot in on the left. You've got Sessignon behind him. You've got Jed Spence behind Porro. That's great. You're, you're set there for years to go. At centre back, 
You've got Romero, one of the best in the league. You could have, say, Jaffet Tanganga as the backup to him, but you need new options in the middle. Ben Davies is a fine backup on the left, but you need a new starter there. But you're looking at maybe, you know, you get two starters in, you can patch together the the depth behind them. You've got Joe Roden who can come back and be the, the backup in the middle role. He's a good player. Uh, you need a goalkeeper. That's without questions. That's, there's three players that you need. In midfield, you, you, again, you've got good options. You've got Basuma. You've got Bentoncourt. You've got Papi Matarsar. You've got Hoysberg. You've got Ollie White. You've got um, Harry Winks. When, when he, oh, Ollie Skip, sorry, not Ollie White. Why do I feel like there is Harvey White is the midfielder they have, the young midfielder? You've got Harvey White, Ollie Skip, and Harry, Harry Winks when he comes back off his loan. So, again, you're pretty set in midfield. You also own Tangoy Endembele. You could bring him back and put him into your team, and maybe you get more out of him than the previous managers. For your right-wing position, you've got Kulisewski, who's outstanding. You've got Brian Hill as a backup option. He's really good. And was starting to show promise before getting shipped out on loan. On the left side, you've got Sun and you've got Richarlison, who's had a poor season, but is better than we've seen this season. You've got Kane, and again, Richarlison can play that role. Um, if you decide to keep Dan Juma, he's another option in that attack. So you don't need to do a whole lot. It's not like you need to come in and rebuild an entirely new team. What you need to do is come in and rebuild the attitude, rebuild the culture or build the culture because Spurs have gotten far too comfortable. And there's far too many players there resting on their laurels, including the club captain, Hugo Lloris, uh, including starting centre-back Eric Dyer, who behaves as if he's some sort of top-class player. There's enough talent there for a manager to walk in, make three to four good signings in a summer, and set Tottenham up to be a contender. You know, realistically. There's not many better forwards in the world than Harry Kane. I think... Youngman Son has had a poor season. I expect him to bounce back. Kulisewski will only get better. Poro, huge talent, lots of potential to develop. Same with Adoji. Basuma will be better next season than he's been this season. Bentoncourt is a, is a very good player. Matar Sar is on an upward tra- trajectory, as is the likes of, of Oli Skip. It is just goalkeeper two centre-backs and a couple of fringe bits and pieces that you might want to add. But they don't need major surgery. They really don't need major surgery. They need a competent sporting director, which they don't have, and they need a manager who's more willing to be patient with young players. That's the big knock on Conte. He doesn't have much time for young players. But I I do really think there's a there's a team there that just need, I don't know what it is, a, an enormous kick up the backside. A couple more leaders brought in would help, you know, get get some people in that are going to be vocal and hold others accountable. Lloris being captain is an issue in the same way Henderson being captain of Liverpool is an issue. 
when your captain is routinely your worst player and is routinely costing you points, it's very hard to listen to them. It's very hard to have that respect for them because they're not they're not good enough to be in the team. Harry Kane is not a leader. Nobody would follow him. He'd just be a fella going for a walk. So so I think Glasner would take the job. It would make sense for him. It's a it's a step up. It's a big challenge. He's not as good as Conte, but very few are. But, you know, he, he is very good in his own right. And he has had success at the last, you know, the last two stops. Wolfsburg got them into the Champions League. Eintracht won the Europa League. That's it's pretty good as a CV goes for a manager that doesn't have a huge amount of experience. And he became a manager in 2014, had one season with SV Reed. Then those four years with Lask, and it did pretty well there. But that's a league that's dominated by dominated by uh, Red Bull Salzburg. I mean, he took them over. They were in the second division in Austria. He got them promoted, and then got them into Europe. Um, and then I think in his last season there, he finished second. So like continued progression there, continued progression at Wolfsburg. Seventh Europa League, then he gets them into the Champions League. So he's getting better. Does really well at Eintracht. Obviously, first season wins the uh, the Europa League. This season not going as well. They're sixth in the league, but they have found um, they have found things tough with trying to balance Champions League and and uh, and domestic form. But yeah, I, I, you know, still in with a shout of of top four in the Bundesliga. They're six points behind Freiburg with, I think, nine games to go. So definitely a possibility they could get top four again, though Leipzig are, are looming there and will probably end up taking that fourth spot if if uh, Freiburg drop out. It's just a shame for Conte that it hasn't worked because I, I think he is one of the best managers in the world. Um, Right. Before we go to break, after the break, we're going to take a jaunt around Europe, look at the big leagues, how the weekend's games went, what the league tables are, uh, and we'll do the same through, obviously, the Championship League one. That will be decent and quick. Uh, before we go to that, I want to just mention the England squad, which I missed somehow. I think it was because I was off. I missed the announcement of the England squad. So it's just time for me to have a quick laugh at this because this is, even by Garrett Southgate's standards, this is hilariously bad. So goalkeepers, Pickford, fair enough. Ramsdale, fair enough. Fraser Forster is in the England squad. Now I understand that Nick Pope is injured I understand that Dean Henderson and Sam Johnston are injured, but there was nobody else you could have called up. Fraser Forster has been pretty crap for the last few years. Like, pretty crap. And yet he's back in the England squad somehow. And this happens every so often. He was in the squad back in, you know, 14, 15, 16, wasn't in the squad for like six years, got called up in March of last year, 
uh, while having an absolute stinker of a season for, for Southampton. This season, he's been the backup to Lloris, and when he's come in with Lloris injured, he hasn't been good. So that's a ridiculous pick. Uh, there had to have been... Who's in the other 21 squad? Like, Joseph Bursic, Bursic would have been a, a decent enough call-up. He's a, a talented goalkeeper. Uh, he's not playing a whole lot for Bruges, obviously, but he is very good. Uh, Anthony Patterson of Sunderland, you could have called him up for the experience. Maybe Josh Griffiths of West Brom. Etienne Green could have called him up and secured his future as an England squad player because he has the option of playing for France if he so chooses. But now, fear not, Southgate, Fraser Forster. In defence, Kyle Walker, fair enough. John Stones hasn't played in ages because he's been injured. Harry Maguire can't get a game at United when he does play, he's awful. Eric Dyer's having a stinker of a season. Trippier, no issue. Shaw, no issue. Chilwell, hasn't been great this season, but fair enough. Reese James, no issue. And Mark Wehi, no issue there at all, though he hasn't been as good this season as he was last season. But Harry Maguire and Eric Dyer being in the squad is an absolute disgrace. When Lewis Dunk is having a phenomenal season for Brighton, and yet he doesn't get a look in. Uh, I assume Ben White has been left out after whatever shenanigans took place at the World Cup where he left the squad and came home. Really don't know why Fikayo Tamore is not in the squad. He's still been really good for Milan, despite the fact Milan haven't been very good. There's just there's no world in which Tamore and Lewis Dunk aren't more worthy of spots than Maguire and Dyer. There's no world in which that's the case. Harry Maguire can't get a game at United. And Eric Dyer's been shit. Swearing was necessary there. In midfield, Henderson, he's been garbage for three three full calendar years now. You have to go back before you can find a decent run of form from him. And I don't mean good, I mean decent. Declan Rice is having a really poor year, but whatever. Calvin Phillips can't get a look in at City. He's played about 20 minutes all season. Bellingham, fair enough. Conor Gallagher's a squad player in a bad Chelsea team. He's in the squad. If he was at Crystal Palace, guarantee you he wouldn't be in the squad. Now, England are short of options in midfield. But again, you could take a look at the 21s. Oliver Skip has had some good moments in the Premier League this season. Jacob Ramsey is well worthy of a call-up. Tommy Doyle and James McAtee playing outstanding football for Sheffield United. You could have given them a look. You could have called one of them up. But no. Calvin Phillips. Like, how many minutes has he actually played this season? And bear in mind, when he came back from the World Cup, his manager publicly called him fat. He's played 56 minutes in the Premier League this season. 146 in the FA Cup, 40 in the Champions League, and 103 in the, in the League Cup. 345 minutes since August. 
in attack, Kane, Fair, Grealish, really? Bakayo Saka, Phil Foden, no problem. James Madison, no issue there. It amazes me he only has one cap. It genuinely does. He's such a talented player and he's been great for nearly two years now. And Ivan Tony, who's been phenomenal this season, uh, delighted to see him finally called up. Thought Ollie Watkins was worthy of a call-up, to be honest. He's been in really good form. Rashford's obviously cried off uh, with the fake injury. Raheem Sterling, not getting called up. A little bit strange, that one. Tammy Abraham, he's not having the best of seasons, but uh, you know he's, he's worth a mention at least. But I thought Watkins should have gotten a call-up. You don't have any need for Grealish when you've got Madison in the squad. When you've got Foden in the squad, it would have been a, a, a spot better used on Ollie Watkins. But I, the fact that Fraser Forster, Harry Maguire, and Eric Dyer in the squad, along with Calvin Phillips, those four, that is outrageously poor management from Southgate. It goes to show the other players, it doesn't actually matter what you do. As long as you kiss my arse, you'll be in the squad. I mean, Henderson and Gallagher have been in there as well. Gallagher can't get a game for Chelsea, and Henderson's been just atrocious. Absolutely atrocious for Liverpool. But nice to see him putting country before club once again, unable to play for Liverpool the last couple of games, but he's absolutely fine to go and join up with England. That's always nice for a club captain to do. Uh, we'll take a break here, and when we come back, we're going to do our run around Europe. So we'll see you in 30 seconds or so. Bye bye. Welcome back. Before we go around Europe, we will do our winners and losers from the Premier League at the weekend. We will start with the first winner, which is Arsenal. With City being occupied with the Cup, Arsenal had a chance to open their lead even further. And they did that, giving Crystal Palace a spanking. 4-1 opens the gap to eight points. Now, City do have a game in hand, but they have to win that game in hand. And you'd rather have points on the board. So, fair play to Arsenal. Uh, Next up, we're going to have Newcastle United who have now managed back-to-back wins after a run of one win in eight. With Tottenham dropping points and Liverpool dropping points, Newcastle have given themselves a really good chance of getting back into the top four. The two points behind Spurs with a game in hand. Sorry, two games in hand. And Liverpool didn't play at the weekend. I don't know why I said they dropped points, but they didn't play. Either way, Newcastle now have a five-point lead on Liverpool uh, with the same number of games played. Five-point lead. So Newcastle has to be one of the winners. And we're going to go with Leeds as the third big winner from the weekend. They went from the relegation zone all the way to 14th with their win over Wolves. Obviously, one of those other teams involved in the relegation mess. In terms of losers, Tottenham has to be there. 
threw away two points, threw away an opportunity to go third in the league. Now, admittedly, they have played two games more than United, but they could have been a point ahead of them. They threw that away, just lazy defending, poor attitude, and now it's going to cost those players the best manager they were going to get the chance to work under. So uh, there's that. So, yeah, Tottenham, absolutely one of the losers of the weekend. Uh, Chelsea have got to be in here drawing at home to Everton, uh, allowing Everton to score two goals. You'd been on a decent run. You'd won three in a row, and now you're back to just being the same garbage that we've seen all season. And the final one here, we're going to go with Bournemouth, who got comprehensively uh, dismissed by Aston Villa at the weekend. And Southampton picked up a point and closed the gap on them. West Ham picked up a point. Leicester picked up a point. Everton picked up a point. Leeds picked up three points. So they've dropped themselves back into the relegation zone. They're second from bottom. We're also going to go with a bonus loser from this weekend, and that is Crystal Palace. Uh, Their fourth defeat in a row. Sacked Vieira, got spanked, and have now hired Roy Hodgson. I can't think of a bigger loser than Crystal Palace this weekend. So that's that. We will move on and we will start with the Bundesliga. Borussia Mönchengladbach 2, Werder Bremen 2, Marcus Turam and Florian Newhouse with the goals for Gladbach. Marvin Dusch with the goals, with both goals for Werder. Gladbach threw away the lead twice there, so they'll be disappointed with that draw. Augsburg 1, Schalke 1, Hoffenheim 3, Hertha Berlin 1. That's a huge win for Hoffenheim down at the foot of the table. Uh, Andre Kramerich with two goals in that one. Uh, Stefan Jovetic, formerly of Fiorentina, Manchester City, Monaco and a bunch of other clubs with the only goal for Hertha. Um, Stuttgart 0, Wolfsburg 1. Bochum won Leipzig nil. Massive win for Bochum. Disastrous result for Leipzig, who probably still reeling from the spanking they took by Manchester City in midweek. Uh, Dortmund six, Cologne one. Rafael Guerrero, two for Sebastian Haller. Brilliant to see him back and scoring. Two for Marco Rose. Uh, Royce, rather. And Daniel Malin on the scoreline there, the often forgotten uh, Dutch forward. Union Berlin 2, Eintracht Frankfurt 0. Union bouncing back from getting eliminated in Europe during the week. Bayer Leverkusen 2, Bayern Munich 1. Bayern went 1-up through Joshua Kimmich. Then on 55 minutes, Amin Adli was booked for diving in the Bayern penalty area. Uh, Upon VAR review, the yellow card was overturned and a penalty was awarded. Ezekiel Palacios stepped up and scored. On 73 minutes, Amin Adley was booked for diving in the Bayern Munich penalty area. Upon VAR review, the yellow card was overturned, the penalty was given, and Ezekiel Palacios stepped up and scored to give Leverkusen a surprising win over Bayern Munich. Uh, Mainz won, Freiburg won. Disappointing for Freiburg to drop points. Last-minute goal for Mainz to steal an equal... uh, an equaliser there and, and get a point. Dortmund, top of the league, one point clear of Bayern. Same number of games played top to bottom in the league this season. Union Berlin are third on 
48 points, four points behind Bayern. Freiburg are two points back from them. Then it's Leipzig, Eintracht, Wolfsburg, Leverkusen, Mainz, Gladbach, Bremen, Augsburg, Cologne, Bochum, Hoffenheim, Hertha Berlin, Schalke and Stuttgart. It is close at the bottom of the table, only two points separating Stuttgart at the bottom and Hoffenheim fourth from bottom. So uh, two go down and one go into the playoff, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, that win for Hoffenheim was huge because they had been bottom and uh, it lifted them from there to 15th, but still all to play for in the Bundesliga. In Serie A at the weekend, uh, Napoli continued their march towards the title, but Sassuolo started the weekend off with a 1-0 win over Spezia. Uh, Domenico Berardi penalty, the only goal there. Atalanta 2, Empoli 0. Martin Darun and Rasmus Hoisland, who's a name worth keeping an eye on, with both goals for Adelante, with, sorry, with the goals for Adelante there, they'd gone one nil down. And Bowie had scored, but Empoli won up. But Adelante fought back in the second half. Keep an eye on Rasmus Hoysland. He is going to be a serious player. Uh, Monza won, Cremonese nil. Sorry, Monza won, Cremonese one. Uh, Salernitana two, Bologna two. Uh, Lewis Ferguson scoring for Bologna in that one. Udinese three. AC Milan won. Uh, Roberto Pereira opened the scoring. Zlatan equalized just before half time for Milan. They thought they were getting in to the break level, but Beto just on the stroke of half time, putting Udinese back in front. And uh, Kingsley Ezebui with the third and final goal for Udinese to wrap that one up. Great win for Udinese. Sampdoria 3, Verona 1. Huge win for Sampdoria. Uh, Manolo Gabbiadini, formerly of Southampton, I want to say. Uh, he got 2 in that one. Torino 0, Napoli 4. The title march continues. Victor Osman with 2. Kavica Kvaratskhelia with a penalty. And Tangai Endembele on loan from Spurs with the fourth and final goal to wrap that one. Fiorentina 1, Lecce 0. Lazio 1, Roma 0 in the eternal derby. Uh, Zaccagni with the only goal of the game. Roger Ibanez had been sent off for Roma on 32 minutes, so they played over 60 minutes with 10 men uh, in a little bit of a kerfuffle in the 97th minute. Murasic and Cristante were sent off. So Lazio ended up with 10 men and Roma with nine men. Uh, big win for Lazio, obviously taking three points over their biggest rival and helping them in the league. Uh, Inter Milan, nil. Juventus won. Philip Kostic with the only goal of the game. Another kerfuffle late in this one. D'Ambrosio and Paredes sent off. So both sides end with 10 men. Napoli are top. Every team has played 27 games. Napoli are 19 points clear at the top of the table. They have almost got this thing wrapped up. Lazio moved to second on account of their win, while Inter, Milan and Roma all lost, and they are the teams three through five. Atalanta sits sixth. They're only three points behind Milan, who are fourth. Then it's Juve, who, despite having 15 points taken off them, 
still have a chance of getting into the Champions League next season, which is incredible. And also goes to show how, you know, how poor a lot of the other teams have been around them. So Juve are seven, Udinese are eight, Fiorentina are up to ninth. They've won four in a row. It's a really good turnaround. Bologna are tenth, Torino eleventh, Sassuolo twelfth. They've also won four in a row. Monza thirteenth, Empoli fourteenth, Lecce, Salonatana, Spezia, Verona, Sampdoria, and Cremonese. It looks very much like Verona, Samp, and Cremonese will go down, but there are some teams in really poor runs of form. Empoli have lost four in a row. Lecce have lost four in a row. Verona haven't won in five, but they've still got a puncher's chance. Samp need a couple more wins. I I would still suggest that them and Cremonese will go down, probably joined by Verona. But if Verona can turn things around a little bit, maybe they have a puncher's chance. Uh, We'll move to Spain. I'd love to move to Spain, given the weather here. Um, Valladolid won Athletic Club 3. That was the Friday night game. Uh, Inigo Martinez with one of the goals there. Kyle Laren, for any Canadian, uh, he scored for Valladolid. Almeria won, Cadiz won. Uh, Last-minute goal for Almeria to steal a point there. Rayo Vallecano 2, Girona 2. Uh, Victor Shankov, formerly of Dino Kiev, really talented player. He got two for Girona there. I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the move again in the summer. Espanyol won Celta Vigo three. Uh, Gab- Gabriel Viega linked to everybody at the moment. He opened the scoring. Iago Aspas scored from the penalty spot and Carlos Perez made a three. Gregera got a late consolation for Espanyol. Atletico Madrid, three. Valencia, nil. Antoine Griezmann, Yannick Carrasco and Thomas Lamar with the goals there. Real Betis, one. Mallorca, nil. Borja Iglesias with the only goal in that one. Real Sociedad, two. Elche, nil. Uh, Kubo and Brencia with the uh, Sociedad goals. Osasuna, nil. Villarreal, three. Really good win for Villarreal, who got dumped out of Europe in the week and were very disappointing. Uh, Chukwese opened the scoring. Morales got too late on to make that look a little bit more impressive than it actually was. Hitafe 2, Sevilla 0. Munar El Haddadi with the opener. Enes Yunel with the second. El Haddadi, I think he's the fellow that used to play for... Is he the one that used to play for um, Barcelona? And then potentially Sevilla. It is. It is indeed. And Yunus Anul was, he was at uh, Man City for a while. And their other forward player is uh, Borja Mayoral, who's also knocked around. He was at Real Madrid for a long time. So uh, in terms of pedigree, that front three for Hitafe is pretty impressive. Uh, they've also got Denis Suarez. They've got Maksimovic in midfield. There's some decent players there. Um, Sevilla have sacked. George Sampaoli uh, today um, after this latest disaster. And uh, things are not going well for Sevilla, it's fair to say. Barcelona 2, Real Madrid 1 in El Clasico. Ronald Arreo put through his own net to put Real 1 up. Sergi Roberto equalised just before half time. Frank Kessie with a late, late winner for Barcelona to leave Barca 12 points clear 
at the top of La Liga. 12 points above Real Madrid, who are a further five points ahead of Atletico Madrid. You've got Real Sociedad in third, Real Betis in, sorry, Real Sociedad in fourth, Real Betis in fifth, Villarreal in sixth, Athletic Club de Bilbao in seventh, Real Vallecano in eighth, Osasuna, Celta Vigo, Mallorca, Girona, Hetafe. Uh, Sevilla are currently sitting in 14th. But like with the Premier League, this division has a whole bunch of teams that could get relegated. So Sevilla are only two points ahead of Valencia and Almeria, who currently sit 18th and 19th in the league. So realistically, I think anyone, anyone probably from Mallorca in 11th could go down. That's half the league could go down. Um, Cadiz are 15th, Valladolid 16th, Espanyol, Valencia, Almeria, and Elche are dead and buried, but they have won two games. Uh, which is, you know, is nice for them. Um, Valencia are a disaster. Sevilla are a disaster. It, it, it's a very strange season. It really is. Around Europe, it's a very strange season. It's not just the Premier League this week. La Liga is as well. I would say Serie A is as well. Now, I think Napoli would win Serie A regardless because I think they're that good this year. But... Uh, I do think it's a very poor league. Uh, we'll move to Portugal next, where we had Santa Clara nil, Rio Ave two, Porto Menens nil, Vizela one, Aruca one, Pacos Ferreira one, Benfica five, Vitoria one, uh, Ramos two for Jean Mario, uh, Danny Silva on goal, and Antonio Silva wrapping that one up. Benfica running away with the title here too. Estoril nil, Chavez two. Casapia two, Maritimo nil. Braga nil, Porto nil. Porto will be very disappointed with that result and they'll be very disappointed with the performance. Uh, Boa Vista one, Familiqueau two. League table is as follows. Benfica top 10 points clear of Porto, who are now only two points clear of Braga. Sporting are in fourth, Vitoria fifth, Aroca, Casapia, Rio Ave, Familiqueau, Vesela, Chavez, Boa Vista, Gil Vicente, Portimonens, Estoril, Maritimo, Pacos Ferreira, and Santa Clara, bottom of the league, lost five in a row. Uh, not looking good for them. Uh, in League 1, <laughs> in France, we have uh, Leon 1, Nantes 1. Uh, Alex Lacazette with another goal for Lyon, but their season's not going well. Toulouse nil, Lille two. Mohamed Bayo, a name to keep an eye on, um, with a late, late goal there to wrap that one up. But both late goals, to be fair, 85 and 101. Lens three, Angiers nil. Seiko Fafana and Louis, Louis Opende with the goals there. Uh, Ajeko nil. Monaco 2, Wissam Benyeder and Crepin Diate with the goals for Monaco. Troyes 2, Brest 2. Nice 1, Laurent 1. Um, Miete and Laborde with the goals. Uh, Laurent ended the game with 10 men. Carioca was sent off in the 93rd minute, so it didn't really impact the game. Strasbourg 2, Auxerre 0. Uh, Strasbourg potentially soon to be owned by Todd Bowley. 
Montpellier 2, Clermont Foot 1. Uh, Al-Yawahi is another name to keep an eye on. This is a... This is an outrageously talented youngster, but this is a a youngster who, if your club has a dickhead test, probably doesn't pass it. Um, he was at Cannes. He was super highly rated, and he got thrown out of their academy for reasons I won't get into, uh, reasons that have since been removed from his Wikipedia page, I notice. Um Yeah, just just keep a name, keep an eye on his name. Um, he's he's a sensational talent, but he has had in the past some very serious disciplinary issues and attitude issues that would definitely give you pause for thought uh, about bringing him to your club. Uh, PSG nil, Ren two. It can be and Kalimundo with the goals there. Great win for Ren. Ends PSG's long unbeaten home run. Uh, Reims won Marseille two. Follower and Balogun scored for Reims, put them one up. But two goals from Alexis Sanchez gave Marseille the win and ended uh, Reims' unbeaten run. Uh, the league table has PSG top seven points clear of Marseille, who are two points clear of Lens who are three points clear of Monaco, who are four points clear of Rennes, who are one point clear of Lille. So that is the top six. Then it's Nice, Laurent, Reims, Lyon. Lyon are 10th. That's really poor, considering the talent there. Uh, Montpellier in 11th. They've won four or five. They're very much on the up. Toulouse, who've lost four or five, definitely on the slide in 12th. Clermont Foot, Nantes, Strasbourg, Brest, Auxerre. Troyes, Ejeko, and Angiers are done and dusted. They've only got 10 points for the season, and they've lost five in a row. So they are very much on their way down to League Two. Uh, we will move to Scotland next. Motherwell 2, Rangers 4. Celtic 3, Hibernian 1. Uh, Celtic left it late in this one, but finally, finally managed to find the win. Aberdeen 3, Hearts 0. Kilmarnock won, St. Johnston won. Dundee United won, St. Mirren won. And Livingston 2, Ross County won. So, the league table after 29 games. Celtic are still nine points clear uh, of Rangers, who are in turn 28 points clear of Hearts. Uh, Then it's Aberdeen, Hibs, Livingston, St. Mirren, St. Johnston, Motherwell, Kilmarnock, Ross County and Dundee United are bottom of the league. But still all to play for at the bottom. The top looks like it lend with Celtic as league champions once again. Um, Championship. Obviously, some games got postponed because of FA Cup games, but we still had uh, 10 games, nine of which managed to finish. Watford won... Wigan Athletic won. Uh, Keenan Davis opened the scoring for Watford, but James McLean equalised. Millwall nil, Huddersfield won. Danny Ward with the only goal of the game. A smash and grab 
by Huddersfield, who had 28% of the possession and four shots to Millwall's 18. But a big, big three points for Huddersfield there. Blackpool won Coventry four. Ben Sheaf, a Curtis Nelson own goal. Kyle, Fad- Kyle McFadzine and Matt Gooden. Matt Godden with the goals for Coventry. Jerry Yates with a penalty for Blackpool. Uh, nothing more than consolation. Middlesbrough four, Preston nil. Chupa Akpom, two from Cameron Archer, and Marcus Fours with the goals there. Bambo Diaby sent off for Preston. Hull one, or Reading one, Hull one. Uh, Andy Carroll scored for Reading after Regan Slater had put Hull one up. Sunderland one, Luton one. Uh, Alfie Doughty put Luton one up, but a late, late Ahmad Diallo penalty got Sunderland a valuable point. QPR nil, Birmingham one. Tahith Chong, uh, I don't know if he's formerly of Manchester United or on loan from Manchester United, but he scored the only goal of the game in that one. Uh, Rotherham were losing one nil to Cardiff, but the game had to be abandoned because of a waterlogged pitch. So my assumption is that when that game is replayed, they will only replay the second half because if I'm if I'm right, the game was abandoned at half time. Uh Stoke nil, Norwich nil, seems like a belter. And Swansea two, Bristol City nil, Liam Cullen and Oliver Nitchell with the only goals there. Burnley are top. Thirteen points clear of Sheffield United, who are three points ahead of Middlesbrough, but do have a game in hand. Uh, Luton Town are fourth, Blackburn are fifth, Millwall sixth. So that's a damaging defeat for them, losing to a Huddersfield team who are in who are in the relegation zone. Uh, Norwich seventh, Coventry up to eighth. They really have turned things around. They started the season really badly, but they had all those games in hand, and now they're back as a playoff contender again. Only three points outside the playoff spots. Then it's West Brom. Then Watford, Sunderland, who've fallen off a bit, three defeats in the last five, only one win in five. Uh, then Preston in 12th, Stoke in 13th, Bristol 14th, Hull 15th, then Swansea, Birmingham, Reading, QPR, Rotherham, Cardiff, Huddersfield, Blackpool and Wigan. Wigan look like they're going down. Blackpool, that's a big defeat at the weekend, big scoreline. It's a huge win for Huddersfield, though. Huge, huge win to give themselves a, a good fighting chance. Uh, I think Cardiff and Rotherham are still very much in this relegation mix, but, you know, it, they're giving themselves... It, it's going to be a good run-in. There are some teams of eight games left, some of nine games left. I think it's going to be a good run-in in the championship. In League One, uh, Sheffield United won, Bolton won, Lincoln nil, Peterborough three. Plymouth 2, Forest Green 0. Cambridge United 1, Charlton 2. Ipswich 2, Shrewsbury 0. Cheltenham 3, Exeter City 1. Wickham 0, Barnsley 1. Accrington Stanley 0, MK Dons 1. Port Vale 2, Burton Albion 3. Bristol Rovers 0, Portsmouth 2. Morecambe 1, Oxford United 1. Derby County nil, Fleetwood Town two. The league table has Sheffield United top, one point ahead of Plymouth, but they do have two games in hand, which is huge. 
Then you've got Ipswich in third, same number of games played as Plymouth, two points behind them. Then there's a gap to Barnsley, six-point gap, but Barnsley have two games in hand. Then it's Derby, then Bolton, Peterborough, Wickham, Pompey, Shrewsbury, Charlton, Fleetwood, Exeter, Lincoln City, Bristol Rovers, Port Vale, Cheltenham, Burton Albion, Oxford United, MK Dons, Accrington Stanley, Morecambe, Cambridge, and bottom of the table, no wins in five, probably no wins in more than that, uh, four defeats of the last five, is Forest Green Rovers, uh, who are somehow still managed by Duncan Ferguson, despite the fact that he has been absolutely atrocious since taking over. Nine games in charge, zero victories, two draws, seven defeats, a 0.00% win ratio, meaning that for his managerial career, which totals 14 games, five with Everton, five with Everton, nine with Forest Green, in those 14 games, he has managed one win for a 7.14% win ratio. Big dunk. Everton to the core, isn't he? That's magnificent. They have to surely consider binning him off. It hasn't worked. It's not going to work. He's not a good manager. He's a clown. Now, admittedly, he took over a team that were a mess, but Jesus wept. He's made them worse. He has made them worse. Uh, They are sailing down (laughs) into League Two. Uh, In their last... 9, 12, uh, 16 games, they've lost 13 of them. That is woeful. Woeful. You might want to just liquidate the club at that point. Uh, Forest Green very much going down. They're now four up, four down. They're 13 points off safety. Uh, In League 2, we had... Uh, Sutton United nil, Grimsby won. That game was played last Tuesday because Grimsby had the FA Cup game. Uh, Bradford 2, Hartlepool 2. Uh, speaking of Hartlepool, I've just ordered a book about Brian Clough's time in charge there. Uh, Leighton Orient 2, Colchester 2. Harrogate 1, Barrow 0. Salford City 3, Doncaster 1. Financial doping strikes again. Uh, Walsall 2, Gillingham 0. AFC Wimbledon nil, Crawley Town one, Northampton one, Crew Alexandra nil, Stockport one, Mansfield one, Rochdale four, Swindon four. I had no idea Charlie Alston was back playing for Swindon, but that has made me very, very happy because back in the day when I used to frequent the odd Swindon game, my good friend Paul Sterrett. Charlie Austin used to bang the goals in. Uh, so great to see these back there. He scored all four of Swindon's goals in this one. Uh, so he scored the opener. Then he made it 2-0. Then Devante Rodney made it 2-1. Danny Lloyd made it 2-2. Abraham Adeau put Rochdale... 3-2 up. 
Alston made it 3-3. Then he made it 4-3 to Swindon. And Ian Henderson with a late, late equaliser making it 4-all. I must find that game. That just seems outstanding. 35 shots between the two teams. 18 for Rochdale, 17 for Swindon. Both had eight shots on target. Swindon had slightly more of the ball with 52% to Rochdale's 48%. Six corners to five. I mean, that's that's really, really good. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to have to watch that game. It might be awful, but I have to watch it now. Uh, Tranmere won Newport County three and Carlisle nil, Stevenage nil. Uh, the league table, Leighton Orient at top, six points clear of Stevenage. Then it's Northampton, Carlisle, Stockport, Bradford City, Salford City. That's the playoff places. Uh, Mansfield Town, Sutton United, Barrow, Swindon, Doncaster, Walsall, Tranmere, Grimsby, Newport, AFC Wimbledon, Crew Alexandra, Harrogate, Gillingham, Colchester, Crawley, Hartlepool, and Rochdale bringing up the Football League. In the National League, because why not? We might as well finish off here. Um, Woking nil, Chesterfield won. Dagenham and Redbridge won, Oldham Athletic won. Halifax won, Yeovil won. Maidenhead United two, Maidstone United won. Southend United won, Aldershot two. York City two, Dorking Wanderers won. Scunthorpe 4, Wheelstone 1, the L Wheelstone Raider will be outraged, be starting on people. Uh, Barnet 1, Notts County 1. Solihull Moors 2, Boreham Wood 0. Eastleigh 3, Altrincham 2. Gateshead 1, Torquay 1. And Bromley 1, Wrexham 2. 2 for Paul Mullen in that one. Now, was the Wales squad announced and was Paul Mullen in the Wales squad? Uh, Players. No. No, he was not called up. There had been talk that Paul Mullen might get a call up for Wales. And maybe he still will if there's injuries or something. Um, Paul Mullen. Let's see. No, he hasn't been um he hasn't been called up. There've been some reports that he might get a call up. Which would be fantastic if he did. Um he scores ludicrous amounts of goals. How many goals he got this season? Paul Mullen. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. How many goals he scored this season? He's only 28 as well. Uh, he's got 40 in 45 in all competitions this season. He scored nine goals in seven FA Cup games. He's 31 and 38 in the National League. Last season, he scored 32 and 44. I, that is exceptional. I know it's not the highest of levels, but that's still really impressive. And Ollie Palmer that he plays up front with is is also very good and uh, does a lot of kind of the graft to 
allow Mullen opportunities. Um, it's been 15 years since Wales called up a non-league player. They're hopeful that so yeah, there's there's still talk that uh he might get himself a, a call up. So let's have a look at the league table. Wrexham are top, three points clear of Notts County. Uh, Woking are third. They are twenty three points behind Notts County. There really should be two automatic spots here. There really should. Um, like Wrexham and Notts County are so far ahead of everybody else. Then it's Woking, Chesterfield, Barnet, Eastleigh, Boreham Wood, Wheelstone, Sully Hill Moors, Southend United, Bromley, Dagenham and Redbridge, Altrincham, Maidenhead, Oldham, Halifax, Aldershot, York, Yeovil, Dorking, Gateshead, Scunthorpe, Torquay, and bringing up the rear is Maidstone United. So that is where we stand around the league and up around Europe and up and down the country. Um Let's see. What little bits of news do we have before we go to the gossip? Obviously, there's a lot of talk about the Hodge and his return to Crystal Palace. Uh, Manchester United sale. Revised bids for the club are due because they didn't get an offer that was anywhere close to what they wanted. Um, I, I think... I think the Glazers are going to sell a minority stake. And that's what I've said all along. I think they'll sell a minority stake. I don't think anyone's going to pony up to buy the whole thing. Um, Alexander Mitrovic, FA says standard ban, clearly insufficient. As I said, yes, I think five games is fair. Mitrovic, like... Chris Sutton calling from to get 10 games is a joke. It's a joke. De Canio got 11 because he stepped towards and shoved a referee. The standard punishment, would, which would otherwise apply to Alexander Mitrovic for sending off for, for violent conduct. There was no violent conduct. There was no violent conduct. He simply grabbed the referee's arm. Bruno Fernandes did worse shoved a, ref, a linesman out of the way. More than a 10-game ban needed, say referees. But Keith Hackett is a moron, so he wouldn't take much of what he has to say. Uh, Paul Field isn't much better. And whatever the name of that fella that runs that Respect Referees account on Twitter, that some fool thought it was a good idea to have him on TV saying he thinks he should be banned for six months. Like, get the fuck. Uh, George Sampelli's been sacked, as I said earlier. Emmanuel Adebayor has retired. Uh, I genuinely thought he'd retired a few years ago. I I had no idea he was still playing. I will tell you now where he has been playing, but I had no clue. Um, so I knew he went to Turkey and played for Istanbul Besiktas. He left in 2019. He went to Kaiserspor. I thought he retired after that. But it turned out he played for Olympia in Paraguay for two games and has been playing back in Togo for the last couple of years. Fair play. I like that he went home and finished his career 
in his homeland. I think that's that's admirable. Um, no idea what he's done there, but you know it's admirable. Um, what else do we have? I think that's it. I think that's it. So we'll just get to the gossip. Tottenham are expected to agree the departure of Antonio Conte this week with Ryan Mason likely to take charge until the end of the season. Uh, this is this is the same nonsense they did when they got rid of Mourinho and they put Ryan Mason in charge. And he clearly wasn't up to it and he's clearly not going to be up to it. The Tottenham players believe Conte will leave because his comments after the Southampton game soured relations with some members of the squad. If Tottenham had any cop on, the members of the squad who are soured, they'd be the ones leaving. Because there's one Antonio Conte. Other than Harry Kane, all of those players are replaceable. And even with Harry Kane, you can get $100 million for him. You take it and rebuild. Uh, Oliver Glasner is one of the favourites to succeed him. Spurs want $100 million for Harry Kane uh, if they are to consider selling him in the summer. So he got one year left in his contract after this. They're not going to get $100 million for him. Uh, Manchester City are growing confident they can land Jude, Bell- land Jude Bellingham, but Real Madrid remain in the race. Liverpool are not willing to pay the fee demanded by Dortmund, so we'll switch your attention to Matthias Nunes. They were looking to sign Nunes along with Bellingham, so no, they're not switching their attention there at all. Uh, Jim Ratcliffe says he doesn't want to pay a stupid price for Manchester United, um, which is you know normal. Arsenal are ready to offer Martin Odegaard a new deal to keep him at the club until 2030. Sheikh Jassim bin Hamad El Tani will make a second bid for United on Wednesday after positive talks were held during the week. That's from that spoofer on Sky, so I wouldn't put much in that. Declan Rice is expected to leave West Ham with Chelsea and Arsenal leading the race. As long as it's not Liverpool, I'm happy. As long as it's not Liverpool, I'm happy. Manchester United have sent scouts to watch Cairo Matuma. Why, why would they need to do that? Just turn on your TV. You don't need to send scouts. You can sit at home and watch him play. Newcastle are targeting Manchester United midfielder Scott McTominay this summer. And the 26-year-old Scotland international is believed to be open to the move. Um, yeah, I can see that one. don't think he's much good, but yeah, I could see, I could see Eddie Howe wanting him. Juventus' hopes of signing N'Golo Kante have been dashed with him, with the French international set to sign a two-year deal to stay with Chelsea. Arsenal, Tottenham and West Ham have looked at Noah Okafor of Red Bull Salzburg. Um, his contract is out 2024. He's a very talented player, so could definitely see a bunch of clubs wanting him. I don't think he's quite at the level of Tottenham and Arsenal. Uh, not yet, potentially, maybe, but for now... I think West Ham would be a move that would suit him more. Aston Villa's World Cup winning goalkeeper Emiliano Martinez insists he want to he's planning to stay at the club despite huge interest. Chelsea are ready to saw to sell Eduard Mendy following a breakdown in contract renewal talks. Makes sense. Form, Fulham's former Manchester United midfielder Andreas Pereira is attracting the attention of Chelsea, Atletico Madrid, and Paris Saint Germain. Uh, Barcelona's Spanish captain Sergio Busquets is considering offers from MLS and Saudi Arabia, but will decide during the international break whether to reject them and agree a new deal to stay at the Camp Nou. And that is all I have for today, folks. Thank you as always. I will see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Goodbye. 
Sports Social Podcast Network.